good times. There's going to be good times, good times. I know there's going to be... Hey everyone, welcome to the third episode of The Single Thread. It seems crazy to think that graduation, at least its virtual format, is only a few weeks away. It's been both such a happy and sad time reflecting on our experiences at Sloan, and I know Elena and I have valued and continue to value the opportunity to learn about our classmates in whatever format that we can, including the single thread. Today, we're excited to introduce fellow second-year MBAs, Harsh Thesai and Rugmini Sarkar, who kick off this episode with their introductions. Hey guys, I'm Rukmini Sarkar. I am a second-year Sloney. Originally from India, grown up between the Middle East and Southeast Asia, and uh, have spent the past uh, nine years in the States. Hey everyone, I'm Harsh uh, Desai. I also grew up in India, kind of all over, um, and then went to undergrad with Rukmini, worked in the U.S. for a while, then worked in India for a bit, and then came to Sloan. Awesome. Uh, and then I think we're going to keep continuing the trend or tradition that we've started. And we'll first share when Elena and I first met you both, and then we'll have you both say a few words about each other. So, Elena, if you want to kick off the first time you met uh, Harsh yeah. and Rukmini. Um, so, Rukmini was in my ocean, which is scientifically the best ocean, one might say, the Caribbean class of 2020. Um, nope, I'm seeing some shaky heads, but we'll, we'll just disagree. <laughs> and I don't remember the first time, you know, that we physically met, but I remember the first time that I noticed you as we were sitting next to each other in accounting, because you took the most incredible notes, like just extremely precise and concise notes that I've seen. <laughs> and you're very studious and focused, which made me want to be more studious and focused. Um, I didn't get there, but you inspired me, Rufini. You really inspired me. <laughs> I, uh, at, during the core, I was at my peak note-taking note stage and has since deteriorated. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, it was very impressive. Um, and then, Harsh, I want to say that we probably met at a recruiting event because I just remember for some company somewhere, we were in a dark corner needing to talk to this guy about New York. And I just stood there thinking, I wonder what's going on in all of our heads right now. Do we actually all want to be in this conversation or somewhere else? Um, and I then had the fortune of working with you in our group project later on last semester and learning about what a funny person you are. <laughs> probably a polite way to describe me, but yeah. <laughs> Harsh has definitely got a feature as a, as a comedian somewhere. Uh, Side uh, hustle. Oh, wow. That's, um, thank you. I'm honored. The, <laughs> the first time I met Rukmini, uh, well, we, I guess, have a lot of overlap. Uh, she and I missed each other in Dubai, working in Dubai by about two weeks. Uh, so we never actually got to work together, but have a lot of mutual friends who actually put us in touch for Sloan. So we were chatting with Como, another classmate of ours, right up until school. And I remember the first time I met her, I don't know if she remembers, but I had landed from India like at 6 a.m. or something and had seen her at school. And I like briefly recognized her, but I was so tired. I just screamed her name in E51. I was like, Rigmini, oh my God. <laughs> and she was like, uh. <laughs> and we talked for like maybe two minutes and I thought, we wouldn't be friends again, but I kept her close. We're roommates now, so it turned out for the best. And with Harsh, um, also in my ocean, so I'm sure we had a lot of a lot of like first week memories. But one of my favorite early memories of you was after the Sloan Olympics, which I missed, and I think it was post your birthday. And I just saw you at the pub we went to after, and you didn't say anything. You just came up to me and you were like, "Sup." And then you just fell over. <laughs> and I was like, this guy's killing it. <laughs> like, first very visual memory I have of Harsh. <laughs> so instead of first time you met each other, I was wondering if you could tell us three words you would have described, you would have used to describe each other in 2009 versus 2020. 
Yeah, so we do go back a long way. As Harsh mentioned, we went to Penn undergrad together and uh, became fast friends freshman year. Um, thinking back to to that, I I guess the words that come to mind for me is uh, Harsh was that that funny trait was developing at the time, so I would characterize it more as ridiculous. He thought it was hilarious to to drawl over the posters I'd put up in my dorm room. Um, I think he had this very kind of chill, quiet confidence to him, uh, which is something that has continued uh, through now, which I really, really like because it always makes me feel more calm and relaxed. And then the third thing I would characterize him, one of my memories at Penn is I had a little bit of an accident with my toe my freshman year, and Harsh was there at the ER with me the whole time. So he's definitely one of the most reliable and caring people I know. In 2020, oh, Harsh? Oh, and 2020, Harsh? Well, I think that those, you know, comedian tendencies have certainly developed, and, uh, you know, his sense of humor is, is one of my favorite things now. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, despite the fact that he went to Penn, had these amazing accomplishments after, he's kind of remained as chill and quietly confident um, as he has. And then the, the other thing that's, I think, different is this is the first time I've known Harsh um, in the context of being in a relationship with someone. And so seeing him be this generous and giving person is, is a new side of him that I haven't seen at Penn before. And that's been wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll, I'll go now. Um, so my my first memory of Rukmini is actually, I think our first memory of each other is essentially just like sitting down on one of the first few days of Penn and she stole my water bottle, which, which proved that even back then she had a thing for swag as she does now. Um, <laughs> but if I think back to 2009 Rukmini, I think what really came across to me um, was the fact that she was super outgoing, uh, you know, very friendly, very easy to talk to, which was in contrast to kind of who I was as a person at that time, I think. Uh, I was a little more introverted and still am comparatively, I think. So I, I definitely say she was outgoing. And then uh, Ben Rukmini was also very competitive, um, which is <laughs> which is a trait that's sustained uh, to this day as well. But it was it's never been like annoying competitive as much as just like you know I'm I'm kind of just doing my shit competitive. Sorry, can I say that? Um, and then um, I think from Penn all the way to now, uh, I think she's a very loyal friend as well. Uh, in fact, one of my one of my memories of freshman year at Penn is. Uh, just like struggling with course load, I think everyone was. And I was sitting in the, the commons, is what we call them, and I was just like working on a problem set with a friend and she was nearby. And she saw that I was just like not having the best time and like came over and made sure everything was okay. And we like ended up speaking for like half an hour or something. So that, you know, and that's kind of carried forward to this day as well, I think. Um, and then coming to Sloan and obviously reconnecting after some time uh, away from each other was fun because you could see a couple of new traits. Uh, the one that I picked up on, which I think was probably always there, but I just didn't notice as much, was how kind of family-oriented she is in some sense. Like moving back to Dubai to be closer to her family and then hear how, like, how close she is to her, her sister. And that was something I hadn't kind of been as exposed to it then. So that was something I noticed with Sloan. And then I think the other thing... Sloan Rukmini is like much more determined than than Ben Rukmini was in some sense. Um, I think it's like it's a sign of like how her confidence has grown over time, which I think is natural. At some at some level, it's a part of growing up, but it's also like really amazing to see that, and it's it's inspiring to see in your friends. I feel very flattered. <laughs> you it should. These are the best things I could think of when I thought of you. Wow. Yeah, and I know that <laughs> I thought of, have been easy. <laughs> there's a lot more in the rough draft, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see that iteration. <laughs> we can have a bloopers outtake of the single thread at some point. Um, so maybe thinking about 
Harsh, to your last point about people changing through this loan experience and what this has meant for us, how do you guys think you've been surprised by about this loan experience so far, or what have you found in yourself that you didn't expect to see when you started this journey? Yeah, and it's a good question. Uh, what surprised me about Sloan specifically is how, you know, how open and approachable the faculty are kind of across the board and how they've taken, um, in my experience at least, an, a genuine interest, not just in our development academically, but also in us as people and um, kind of trying to understand who we are, where we come from, what we want, and how they can support us uh, to reach our goals. Um, an example that really stands out to me is last year at the for the MIT Investment Conference, we had our keynote speaker uh, drop out last minute because of you know something she couldn't control, um, and then the organizers uh, the organizers got on a call with uh, Gary Gensler, who's a professor here, to uh, essentially brainstorm ideas for panelists. And when we ran out of ideas, we asked him if he could take on the role like the night before the conference, and he was driving, I think, from Maryland to Boston, and he pulled over to the side of the road, spent an hour on the phone with us, uh, going through what he would say, and then like drove to Boston and showed up the next morning to be the, the keynote speaker. So that was, uh, that was incredible to me. Uh, and in terms of uh, what surprised me about myself at Sloan, I think, um, I think something that surprised me about myself is how, how okay how adaptable I've been to changing priorities. And I think we'll talk about this a little bit down the road probably, but I wasn't, I never thought I was as good at kind of adapting to a different situation as I've been at Sloan. And that was uh, good to know about myself. I think for me, um, coming to business school, I definitely had this preconceived notion that it was gonna be a lot of type A finance bros everywhere. And I think the wonderful thing uh, that's been a really pleasant surprise at Sloan is just the fact that people are not as intense as I'd expected from business school people. Everybody's smart and ambitious, but they are so humble and so approachable and, and so easy to get along with. And so that's been a wonderful change, wonderful, I guess, difference from what I was expecting uh, coming to business school. And as Harsh mentioned, as someone who has kind of the tendency to be a little bit type A myself, I think what surprised me is the fact that um, I've been able to take a step back from, from that more than I, I think I expected myself to be able to. One of the things that we've talked about, I think all of us in different ways in comparison to our undergrads, which were all very different, is as you think about how you grew in business school versus how you grew in undergrad, what have been the surprises there? And I know, I know this is a bit of a loaded question, but would be curious to hear your thoughts. For me, I think I was very idealistic in undergrad. So there was, in some sense, a different version of me um, that came to undergrad after having spent a summer working at an orangutan rehabilitation center. I was, you know, set to, to save the world and um, go become an animal conservationist uh, in some rainforest somewhere. And so I think I entered college with some of those, I guess, dreams that have morphed over time. And, and you know, I still, I still as, as Ananya and Harsh probably know very well, love animals like nothing else. Um, but uh, I think the, the way in which my dreams have changed and that I still really care about the environment. I still want to work in renewable energy, but I think understanding the realities of the world, understanding the reality of visa constraints um, has definitely shifted my perspective and my expectations of myself um, from undergrad through now. Yeah. I think for me, the one thing that really kind of, you know, leads to, <laughs> to me smacking my own forehead at times when I think about myself 10 years ago is, kind of how naive I was in a lot of ways. And I mean that in a couple of different ways. I mean, I was not good at gauging people's intent versus what they said or what they did rather. Um, and I think that's something that, that basically changed over the course of obviously having to work and then coming to grad school. Um, and I think the other 
the other big change is I was pretty unaware when I was at undergrad about, you know, like different career paths and basically unaware of the fact that there are many ways to get wherever you want to get. Um, and I think that has definitely changed, uh, you know, at business school and before business school as well. So those are both kind of changes I'm, um, I'm happy about for sure. That ends about priorities. How have your priorities with respect to recruiting and the post-grad life horizon changed while you've been at Sloan, if at all? So I came in with a very kind of clear purpose. Uh, it's been it's been an interesting journey for me, I would say. So I was working in management consulting for almost five years before Sloan, first in the U.S. and in the Middle East. Um, and, you know, I at the end of five years, I, I was like, all right, it's time for me to really do something different. I know I want to work in energy, very clear purpose in telling my business school stories and my essays, and then kind of clear purpose coming in to immerse myself in the world of energy. It's largely a reason I chose Sloan as well. And I think one of the wonderful things about Sloan is that there are folks here who know more than I probably ever will about the energy sector. And so it's been a really, really great place to, to build on that interest that I have. And I think I'm very thankful. I, my summer internship was at a big energy company down in Florida, and I got to pursue the opportunity that I think I was really looking for, uh, which has been really cool. I think it's been sort of, that was, I would summarize that, that is my first year. And then in over the summer, being down in Florida and just thinking through next steps, I, I realized how important location is to me. It was just not something that I was willing to compromise on at this stage of my life. And so over the summer, like a typical consultant, I made a spreadsheet with all my life priorities and weighted each of them to try to figure out, you know, what do I actually want to do? And it, and it turns out that consulting still met, ticked a lot of the boxes that I need in my life right now. And so, you know, it's been this reconciliation process, I would say, for me to, to be going back to consulting. But it is some, there was a conversation I remember that, that helped me over the summer with a principal I worked with at BCG who said, you know, there's a lot of pressure in business school to find your quote-unquote dream job. The reality is most people change jobs again two or three years later, and there's nothing stopping you from doing that if that's something you want down the line. And so I shouldn't put all this pressure on myself to find the absolute perfect thing right out of business school if, if it's just not something that I found at this stage of my life. And I think that helped my thinking a lot. I was pretty heartbroken to turn down my full-time offer from my summer internship, but I'm moving across the world to a new continent. I'm going to be in London, and I've never lived there before, so I'm pretty thankful, actually, to have something familiar that I'm, I'm going back to, and so it's been, it's been a re reconciliation process, but I'm pretty happy with where I landed. If I could interject here quickly, just knowing Rukmini really well, but I think it's been really interesting to know her between the second year and first year because first year she was very focused on energy as she said but I think every time we talked over the summer it would be almost like every two weeks I could see the evolution happening where it was like I don't know if I can do this I don't know if this is the right place for me to live I'm navigating a relationship family and work what what makes sense for me I'm giving up the U.S. for potentially another continent so I mean, we had that whole trajectory of conversations um, until she got to the point where she she landed on London. I think, I don't know, as someone who's been really close to that, it was really cool for me to see. It's been um, really cool to have like aspirational models of figuring out what the hell to do with your life. Yeah. I, in terms of recruiting priorities for me, I think, you know, pretty similar, I think at a macro level to Rukmini in terms of the changes I went through, just, you know, slightly different fields, but pretty similar overall. So I worked in consulting and uh, PE before coming to school. And coming in, I was, I was open to exploring other options at some level, but I was also pretty convinced that I wanted to end up back in investing. Um, and so, you know, one of my first a couple of club meetings was the investment management club. And I was kind of immediately impressed with how 
well organized the club was uh, and also impressed with kind of the, the the second years and the first years in the club um and uh, the amount of uh, uh, i'd say exposure we got to industry methods from the the finance track mentor telus um so i ended up kind of sticking with with that route and um did a couple of stock pitch competitions and that those turned into uh, interview opportunities and ultimately i didn't get any of the kind of quote unquote big funds i would have wanted to work for for sure but i was uh, lucky to get you know an internship at a smaller fund in boston that i really liked uh, and it was it ended up being a really good summer experience uh, but similar to rukmini i think um, you know i was asking myself uh, kind of through the internship if this is what i wanted to do like full time uh, if not for the rest of my life then at least for a few years i think the answer i came away with was this is interesting and this is something i want to do at some point but it doesn't have to be immediately uh, it, it doesn't have to be out of school um and so i took a step back after the internship was done and kind of asked myself where i wanted to be and uh, i think the answer was at least for now the answer is that i wanted to end up back in investing and on the private side and so i kind of compared myself to people who had been able to make that transition after business school and i realized that what i was missing at some level is the 2 to 3 years of investment banking experience that people tend to have and so you know i i thought that that was kind of the logical place to build uh, after business school and so i just basically spoke to all the now second years who interned in banking over the summer and they were all wonderful connected me to many many other people uh, at their respective banks uh, and ultimately you know not much hiring gets done outside of the internship pools uh, but i was lucky enough to uh, get an offer from bamel in new york where david soyers had interned over the summer and introduced me to a group that he knew was looking to hire um so you know i think similar to very similar to rukmini in terms of kind of questioning what i want to do what i want to do now versus what i want to do later and where i want to do it for me as well you know i'm going to be in new york after school which is which is amazing and i'm excited for it but i think medium to long term both my wife and i would prefer to be in london or singapore so fingers crossed on both of those like after the next 12 to 18 months Oh, I'd love London. It's got much, much better weather than Singapore. <laughs> Singapore doesn't have weather. I mean, that's it. It's just humid. <laughs> well, it's relative. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I landed up. In terms of loan priorities, it's. I think the only big change for me coming in was so I'd say first year versus second year was I came in with the goal of you know obviously shoring up. uh my knowledge base in in areas that i already had a knowledge base and then building one in areas where i didn't um and while at the same time meeting uh friends and people that i would want to get to know and uh handling obviously my relationship with my then girlfriend who became my fiance within a few weeks and is now my wife and i think the only readjustment out of all of those was uh this year i took kind of a pretty active step back from most if not all club related responsibilities um just because i felt like that was the one part of sloan life where um, i had done whatever i wanted to do and i wanted more time to myself uh, but otherwise that say those priorities stayed you know, stayed the same essentially throughout and rukmini how about you in terms of your sloan priorities once you sort of had the the recruiting handle of things figured out Sure. So I think I came in um definitely feeling that grades mattered and I didn't know any better I would say for the course of my probably the full first year where I think I spent a lot of time devoting myself to class assignments and I I don't know I think going to school it just felt like how can this not be the purpose and i think part of it was also i was really trying to take classes to fill in the gaps of knowledge that i thought that i had specifically in finance and accounting so i tried really hard to to focus on building some of those skills and i think in the second year i've spent more time probably taking classes that i actually want to take uh versus classes that i feel like i need to take and so that's that's been a nice shift because i think as a function of that i've felt 
more engaged in a lot of my classes. Although corporate finance with Malenko is one of the best classes I've taken at Sloan. So just shout out to him for that. And I think the other really big priority I had coming in was was making a, real, a strong group of friends. As somebody who's moved around a lot in my life, uh, having a handful of people that I truly value from each place that I live is something that's just so important to me. I think what caught me off guard a little bit is, and have you know, kind of made me readjust my priorities and how I spend my time is kind of unexpectedly getting into a relationship at Sloan. That's not something that I came in thinking would happen, and, and it did, and it's been wonderful. But I think it's also made me really think about, made both of us think about how we want to spend our time here. And um, I think we've managed to strike a pretty good balance, and it helps that we're kind of on the same page about, you know, having, charting our own path at Sloan and having independent lives, but also making time for each other. For those who, well, no one can see, Harsh did a funny eyebrow raised, <laughs> which, I, which I really appreciated. <laughs> and blue it, kisses It's also for the impressive that you, you made it through that without naming Jan. So, Jan, <laughs> shout out to you from me. <laughs> you, know, you, know who, you know who really loves you now. So. <laughs> Maybe we can go down that path a little bit and... I would love to hear a little bit more about how you guys have been able to navigate your relationships with your partners. One, because mainly because you started dating Jan at Sloan, so you're an anomaly of the long-term yeah. relationship that starts during core. And Harsh, you've been maintaining your long-distance relationship and then with the wedding for a pretty long time. So I would love to hear. So, uh, in terms of managing uh, the relationship, you know, it was, I'd say the first year was easier than the second. And that was driven by the fact that my wife was also at school. She was at Columbia um, getting her master's in law. And so we had pretty similar experiences and we both wanted very similar things out of our respective programs. Um, so that really helped, and we never felt like the other person kind of owed uh, one of, like that one of us was giving the other person more time than we were receiving. And we were both pretty clear that like if we had to choose between like a 30-minute phone call and like a 30-minute, I don't know, like quick catch-up session with someone or a group, we would choose the latter or the former and obviously try and balance it out at some point down the road. But you know, we, we both kind of came to school for a specific purpose and we didn't want to compromise on that as far as possible. Uh, I think the other thing that actually helped somewhat counterintuitively is that we weren't in the same city, but we were close enough. I think if we'd been in the same city uh, and definitely at the same university, uh, because for a while uh, CBS was the only school I'd gotten into, you know, it would have been more challenging because we would have been living together and then you kind of have to balance the you know your kind of household life as well so to speak uh, so I think being close enough that we could see each other pretty often but still having enough space to ourselves was was actually good um, and of course in the end what that meant was that I I became kind of an Amtrak power user and just went down to New York every couple of weekends um, because according to Twisha Boston weather is just unmanageable although it's not that different from New York so you know but <laughs> Not, it not is very different. <laughs> yeah. It's a little different. It's not that different. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I how I think we managed. This year has been a little more challenging after the wedding, especially because you know we were meant to meet up in London for spring break and we couldn't do that because of Corona, obviously. Um, and so we and you know we've just been kind of FaceTiming for three four hours every day on the weekend and during the week it's a little more fragmented. Uh, but I think we're both just, if we have a little more certainty around when we see each other next, I think that'll be, that'll definitely help. Uh, and for now, it's just a lot of like Netflix parties together, essentially, uh, and playing board games with our friends on, on Zoom. Um, and I think with the wedding, um, you know, with, with the wedding, I actually really got lucky in the sense that uh, Twisha was in in India after her program ended and she had a very clear vision about what she wanted and I didn't really. Um, to me, what was important was her being there, our parents being there, our close friends being there, and the rest of it was 
basically, you know, trivial. Uh, well, not trivial, but not as important. So she took the lead on most things. And I think the only things that I kind of really had to take the lead on was food, which, you know, was, was amazing to do because I also had the support of both parents in terms of bouncing ideas, etc. And then planning the honeymoon was also uh, something I did, which was you know, not that hard and actually really good fun to do. Um, so I, I will say though, that the only thing that made things challenging for me at Sloan was having to kind of travel a fair bit that sem- last semester for the wedding, uh, and on the back end and then on the front end, uh, having to deal with recruiting. So that led to a situation where I essentially just wasn't in class much, which Elena picked up on, I think a few times <laughs> to the point that she would be genuinely surprised if she saw me on campus. <laughs> And to Harsh's credit, he always had a smile on his face for however many things he was juggling and in and out of Boston. But I think the last four weeks of our ethics class, I saw you once, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, probably. That sounds much Well, I don't know. I think it was well worth it because uh, as being lucky enough to have attended the wedding, it was a super experience I had such a good time and harsh to your credit the food was excellent thank you i didn't make it but i ordered it so (laughs) you know that that's pretty much uh most of the way there so (laughs) yeah the trip Uh, advisor the slow and trip advisor reviews of harsh's wedding has been it was amazing as a baseline and then everyone glows up from there (laughs) was a lot of fun with me, do you want to share what it's been like being one of the, the few Sloanies to navigate uh, a Sloan relationship? Sure, uh, happy to. So I think coming here, it was A, I was very single, but B, I also very much felt from day one that Sloan was not at all the ideal place to date. I love the small class size, right? Like that's one of the reasons I picked Sloan. But sometimes it can feel a little bit like high school, especially when it comes to dating. And so I remember at the beginning, I was so nervous about people finding out that Jan and I were seeing each other. It's just something I didn't want people to be talking about. And it just felt like it put a weird amount of pressure on us kind of getting to know each other in the relationship because people would come up to me and be like, oh, like, what are you guys? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me give me like a hot second to figure it out myself. We're just kind of spending time together and getting to know each other. And of course, Jan was blissfully unaware of a lot of the American cultural dating, like the, the dating norms here in the U.S. And I don't think he was phased at all. So he was very, very chill throughout um, at, at the start. And um, I don't know. Now, towards the end of the MBA, I think um, I feel really lucky to have had an SO at Sloan to share the experience with me because it is, I mean, business school is an all-consuming experience. And I think a lot of the time, um, you know, a significant other who's on the other, kind of on the outside of it, there's, there's a chance that they don't really feel a part of it. And even though I think Sloan does a really, really good job of making sure SOs are a part of, an important part of the Sloan experience, it's just never really the same. And so it's really nice that we've kind of gone through this experience together. And, and like I said, I think we've, been very honest with each other about how, about how we want to spend our time and our priorities here, which has really helped both of us kind of chart our own paths at Sloan and have um, friends and activities that are entirely independent of each other. And that's something that we want and are very, very comfortable with. But at the same time, I think it's also been a lot of fun to be able to do so many things together that in real life you might not be able to, like traveling every couple months and uh, making new friends together and, you know, even getting really competitive on the operations, little field simulation together. So those, those things have been really, really great. I think we've both been very conscientious about how we want to spend our time. And, and that's been kind of key to, to making sure that, um, you know, we, we, we balance everything. I guess jumping off of relationships, um, you guys have known each other since Penn. There's a pretty, pretty substantial pen community at Sloan and in general in the Northeast. How have you navigated old and new friendships and friendships in general, given how much you both have moved around over the last decade, I guess? 
I think for me, um, I wouldn't say we, there's really been a focus on, say, building the pen community at Sloan. I think everybody came here trying to meet as many people as they can and trying to build as many new relationships as they could. So it feels like that hasn't necessarily been a factor that's pulled people together. I think Harsh and Unshul, I just knew uh, better than a lot of the other folks who came to this loan from Penn. And so with them, it, it felt like, I guess, a little bit like home. There was a big comfort factor. And so having that, especially at the start of Sloan, was was really nice, where I just had people where I didn't feel like I was trying quite as hard. And uh, so I, I really appreciated that. And in terms of, I guess, overall balancing friendships, it's been hard. I mean, I think, like I mentioned, business school is an all-consuming experience. And I just about managed to talk to my family on a cadence that works for them, sort of. And um, so then building in friends from other places, I think I've used the breaks that we've had at business school to focus a little bit more on those than I have during the semester. And now with coronavirus, uh, that's that's been good for my long distance friendships. You know, I've been catching up over Zoom with a lot of different people. So I guess that's one positive that's come out of it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, pretty similar for me as well, where coming in, I knew <clears throat> Rukmini and, and Anshul were going to be in my year at Sloan, which was a pretty massive comfort factor, just knowing that you have two good friends um, already at school. And as Rukmini said, it was it was basically really good to have people that you didn't have to kind of try around or didn't have to make that much of an effort to like get to know or and and that's essentially why like Anshul and I ended up rooming together as well is that it was just it was very easy uh, and we'd known each other forever. Um, so that was that was definitely you know a massive advantage I think. And at the same time we were all I think pretty clear that you know we weren't just gonna hang out with each other that we were there to make <clears throat> new friends. Um, and it never came to the point where you felt that you were kind of a you know not a priority. Um, so I think we all just managed it well um, because we had similar expectations and, and similar kind of outlooks as well. Uh, so that that part wasn't, I would say, wasn't hard to manage. But the you know my my other friendships, my non-Sloan friendships, have definitely been tougher to manage, and they were much harder, I think, with core and second semester. This year, it's been it's been a little easier, and it's definitely gotten much easier after after the lockdown started. Uh, and and I think similar to what Rukmini was saying, now everyone's just on Zoom all the time. So I end up, you know, on the weekends, I tend to play poker with my high school friends uh, three or four hours in the morning on Saturday or Sunday, and then. Um, uh, Twisha or one of her friends typically uh, makes a quiz every week that we take uh, as as friends together. So my weekends tend to be pretty packed and they go by really quickly. Uh, and I'm actually grateful for like just having the time to be able to engage with old friends and new. So yeah, it's it's gotten easier to balance uh, because of because of the lockdown. But I, I won't mind if it goes back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think yeah. this has come up a, a fair amount. Um, so one thing I, I know we've talked a lot about not only navigating relationships, but navigating being international and would love to hear your perspective on what it's, I, I, I should say we three are a weird hybrid where we went to undergrad here with me and I had a pretty Americanized, even high school, elementary school, middle school education, but what it's been like navigating uh, the U.S. as an international student and person and you both have been doing it for a pretty long time now. Yeah. You know, I think as an international, I, I tend to compare kind of my experience in undergrad with my experience at Sloan. And one of the things, and Rukmini and I have spoken about this a few times as well. And I think something that kind of did surprise me is how it, you know, I expected there to be kind of, more integration between kind of international students and and like American students at Sloan just because they were a larger share of the pie, international students for a larger share of the pie. But I do think it's, you know, it's not to the level that I would have expected. And 
having thought about that, I think, you know, some of it does come down to, you know, just cultural change. Uh, a lot of the international students here, uh, this is their first time kind of studying in the U.S. So it, it takes at least, I would think, a semester, if not a full year to, like, get your bearings. And then people just have other priorities in life, like regardless of whether you're international or you're American, you might have come to Sloan with an SO. You probably did, in fact, given how, how heavy Sloan is with, uh, with people who came in with SOs. And so you have to devote time to that as well, uh, which could have been presumably spent getting to know other people. And language is also obviously, you know, I, like, I think the three of us take for granted that, you know, we're conversant in English and it's not an issue at all, but it can be if, if this is not something you're used to doing. And the biggest factor I think is actually time. We have two years here and we had four years uh, in undergrad. So it just kind of accelerates the whole process and makes you pick who you want to be close to early on and then just spend time on cultivating those relationships more. And so, yeah, but on the, I mean, on, on, on the plus side, I, you know, some of my best friends are, are internationals uh, and some of my best friends are American. And I, I think everyone's really open to getting to know everyone else. It just comes down to like a matter of, do you meet people who you like click with or find interesting or something along those lines? I think, uh, you know, I agree with, well, with a, lot of, a lot of what Harsh said. For me, it's been a little bit surprising that I do feel like there are kind of two separate groups to some extent, just because that wasn't true of my experience at Penn, where the majority of my friends were American, which is what I also expected, given that the international student population was something like 11% when I was at school there. But I think a, a big part of it is is stage of life, right? And I think that is something that really makes a difference in um, how we're spending our time. I think college was very much, um, you weren't trying to balance all these life priorities. You were just trying to go to school. And so I think that difference, um, it, 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 it changes the way in which you interact with people. Uh, I think a lot of people had very, I guess, fixed lives either in the either in the Boston area or in the Northeast in general and and so school was like an added factor versus the only thing in their life and so I think that's probably what drives um, some of the I guess the difference in, in the lifestyle whereas for internationals they're coming here they're moving here more often than not without their partner and so um, they're what they're looking to get out of the experience in the U.S. is also just different than, than living their life with this additional factor of business school. And so I think that's probably what um, drives the fact that maybe there are sometimes two separate groups. Uh, that said, you know, I've made friends in kind of have really close American friends and I have really close international friends. I think there's something to be said about, you know, you kind of get along or maybe more you, you spend more time with people who you have a shared experience with and for everybody feeling like an expat in the u.s there's maybe some um shared experience and solid solidarity around that uh, as well which which drives some of this difference between the two groups yeah i think that scarcity of time between undergrad and grad school experiences has really stood out to me because undergrad i walked away senior semester thinking I really had the chance to be good friends with the people that I wanted to be good friends with. Whereas in grad school, because of the many different living situations and priorities, it's hard to find that quality time um, with the people that you would love to. It's just a little bit more challenging than it otherwise would have been. I think that's absolutely so true. There's Sorry, I was just going to say there are so many people who I uh, have wanted to get to know and, you know, Thanks. haven't had as much of a chance to as I'd have liked. Yeah. The other thing that both what both of you said made me realize is the, na the naivety from undergrad to now, just in terms of us moving a lot, having to be a lot more pragmatic about what time means when you leave a place and it changes or you change. I and mean, I know you both have talked about home a lot. So I'm just curious if you have any reflections on what the definition of home has meant for you um, or how it's evolved for you while you've, I guess, navigated both school, but your twenties in general. 
for me, I think it's really been tough to to figure out what home is because I am Indian in nationality, and you know I I do feel Indian culturally to some extent as well. But I've never lived there. I spent a year of my life there when I was born, and we left shortly after, and have spent the rest of my life growing up in in other places. Uh, and then this is my ninth year in the U.S., and it's where I spent the majority of my adult life. And so I think this has probably been the experience that shaped me most significantly. And so this concept of home somehow over time has actually seemed to get further and further away from me. I think as a kid, even though I grew up in Indonesia and the UAE, you know, my parents are very good about taking us back every summer to spend time with extended family in Calcutta. And I think moving to the U.S., the frequency of that has decreased. I think being exposed to the norms and the culture here, making friends here, where my worldviews have really developed has been in the context of the United States. And so going back to India has become more difficult in, in how I relate to people, I think, over the years. And so that's something that I definitely struggle a lot with. And so I, I don't have, um, I guess for me, home is really where my, where my parents are. And so wherever that is, right, I will always consider that to be home versus a place. Yeah, I mean, it's wonderful in that I, you know, can live wherever I want and explore new opportunities without feeling tied to a specific place. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, I see a lot of our Sloan classmates who've, you know, been in the Northeast their whole life, their families here, they live here, the furthest they're ever driving is a two hour, you know, distance. And, and I'm envious of that, right? Their whole life is in one place. They know where they're going to be. And that's awesome. So it's, uh, sometimes I, I definitely, especially as I've gotten older, see how wonderful that can be um, as well. Yeah, I mean, it, a lot of what Rukmini said definitely resonates with me as well. I think I was slightly different in the sense that I was brought up in India, but, you know, moved around uh, kind of a couple of times within the country before I came to the U.S. for undergrad. Um and what that meant was pretty early on, um, I kind of recognized that while, you know, home for me is essentially just wherever my, my parents are and, and where my family is, um, that I would likely not live there, at least for a while. Um, and, and the biggest reason for that is my, my parents live in kind of a smaller city in India that doesn't have a ton going on that I would consider kind of you know, close to what I want to do at this stage in life. Um, and that may change, but for now, that's the case. And so in the U.S., I've always thought of like New York as being closest to what I would consider home, uh, just because it's, you know, it's so easy to like live in that city and it's, it's so easy to find anything that you want to find. Um, so that's, that's essentially what I consider home in the U.S., but I've also been thinking about where I want to be long term. And I think, you know, Rukmini and I and, and Ananya have definitely spoken about this a few times. And I do think long term or even medium term, definitely want to be closer to India just just geographically um, and want to be in a place where if I have a four day weekend, I can fly there and like see my parents, uh, especially as they get older. So I think balancing all that, it definitely looks like, you know, London or Singapore uh, would be better options. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the key driver for, I think, in the medium term, trying to move there. Uh, but the concept of home does get fuzzy. So for now, home is in India, but home is also kind of where you make it. Uh, it's kind of up for, you know, up for grabs. The definition keeps changing. I appreciate that as someone who has pretty I was not born in the U.S., but I've pretty much lived and worked all my life in New York. And it's so interesting to think about how that idea of home is amorphous sometimes and really about the people that you have ability to visit and see as you would like. In my head, I'm also having this intensely deja vu moment because 
the last month of my senior year at Dartmouth, we had to write this like 20 page paper on what home means to us. And it's so wow. funny that we're talking about it. I want to say almost like the week of when that paper was due and the mind is like, and yeah, and you know, it was, it's a memory that I would like to delete from my head. So <laughs> <laughs> I just remember thinking I wanted to do so well on this assignment and yet I struggled so hard to figure out what the words were that I would use to convey my idea of home. And maybe that's because yeah. I was like 20, 21, but yeah, that was rough. I relate so hard to that sentiment of, can we just delete this moment, like, a couple of times in our leadership class? <laughs> <based on the way. laughs> like, one big one was, like, Lee asking me in front of the whole class, like, so are you happy? And I was just like, how? What? Like, yes, oh, that's but... right. Do you remember what the module was? Was it the lives of others, or was it... I think uh, it might have been, been the lives of others because we, we read Dalloway that week. Um, oh, I think yeah. It was, that. it was, yeah, it was, I mean, when you have the ingredients of Virginia Woolf and Soviet <laughs> communism surveillance, of course the question couldn't be avoided. Is Harsh Desai happy? And could he talk about this in front of the whole class? Mm. Yeah, that was a yeah. memory. It's like group therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, unintended. <laughs> yeah, unwanted group therapy. How did you handle that question? We were talking about Mrs. Dalloway, and we were talking about like a particular line which someone said pointed to the fact that she was happy. And I think I, I disagreed, and I said like you know that's kind of like saying me stepping out of my house and saying oh the weather is nice but you know then immediately my thoughts turn to like the 20 things I have due and like planning my wedding etc so like am I really happy in that moment or is it just like fleeting essentially and so no one else said anything for a couple of seconds and, and Lee goes so harsh are you happy I just kind of laughed it off because I, I figured it was you know like a, a joke question and I was like haha yeah <laughs> and and so he just kept he just kept looking at me and he was like do you want to explain <laughs> I was like oh no. my gosh <laughs> 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 uh, I can't even remember what I said but I think I was basically like yeah like you know I'm I'm happy in my relationship I'm happy with my friends I'm doing something that challenges me like that's that's kind of what leads to happiness for me. So yes, I think I'm happy. But like, also <laughs> fundamentally, philosophically, I, I just believe that the quickest way to be unhappy is to ask yourself if you're happy. But that's not something I raised in the class at that time. <laughs> wow, that was profound. Yeah, that was very profound. I remember you had a very evidence-based approach to demonstrating your current state of happiness. <laughs> so I was like, whoa. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else. I was like, what will convince him that I'm, I, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't need therapy. Yeah. Oh, man. It was fun, though. Maybe piggybacking off of that topic, are there any good books, movies, shows that you guys have consumed over quarantine that you would recommend to our listeners? So many. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start with TV slash movies. Um, <clears throat> Westworld is amazing. Uh, for anyone who likes slightly dark shows, um, it's, it's, I think, the first show since Game of Thrones that actually makes me think about why something is happening and what it could mean in the future in terms of the show. Um, and, and so far, it hasn't disappointed the way Game of Thrones disappointed towards the end. Um, so that's a great show. Uh, that's a more serious show for like lighter content. Uh, I've been going back, of course, to like the all-time classics such as uh, The Office, Top Gear, Seinfeld, but also really like Succession as kind of like a half-serious, half-trashy drama show. And uh, it's it's just fun because you get to see a bunch of like fairly negative people all trying to really outdo each other. Really shitty people. Yeah. And at some level, you find yourself rooting for like a couple of them. But then like periodically, you get reminded that they're actually like objectively really shitty people. <laughs> uh, and, and then Elena, I know you recommended Shit's Creek and that, that's a show my wife loves. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. 
And then uh, in terms of books, uh, one, I read a couple recently that, that really stand out. I think the first one is um, Educated by uh, Tara Westover. Tara Westover. Uh, and it's, it's just an amazing story. First of all, she's an incredible writer. And secondly, just her story itself is so, it's just not something that I would ever have encountered if I didn't read that book. The book is basically just about her coming to terms with her own identity, which is, it was a fascinating read. And then the second book, for anyone who's interested in like Middle East uh, geopolitics or history, is called Rise and Kill First. Uh, and it's about the Israeli intelligence services um, and their approach to dealing with conflict in the Middle East. Uh, so but it specifically like examines the value of targeted uh, assassinations as, as kind of a, a strategy. And it's really good because not only does it deal with like the philosophical problems related with that, uh, it also deals with like the practical problems of like, well, if you kill X and Y comes into power, who's much worse, like have you really achieved your aim? Um, and it also sprinkles in obviously like a fair bit of history. Uh, so that was also a really good read, but that's much more dense. Um, so yeah, those are the good books and TV shows that I've, I've been enjoying recently. I'm not a big TV person, so the only show that I've recently started watching uh, is The Ship's Creek, which I really, really enjoyed. And the other one, actually, that Ananya and I have been have started watching a few days ago was is Never Have I Ever on Netflix, which just came out. And I appreciate a uh, show that being there about the story of you know a South Asian. Uh, girl, so that's been an interesting and, and funny watch. And Agree with Harsh Educated has really been one of the best books I think I've read in the past year. Really, really enjoyed it and would highly recommend it. Um, I am reading the Elena Ferrante series uh, called My Brilliant Friend right now, and I'm on the second book. It's the the coming of, you know, of, of uh, the story of a girl and like one of her really good friends and the complex relationship between these two girls who then become women. And I, it's, it's so well written and uh, I've been enjoying it a ton. So that's been, that's been really good. The other book that I've read recently was Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. And that's been a super read as well. Uh, it mixes um, this nature with a murder mystery. And, the, and again, the story of a girl who kind of, grows up without any parents and is, and is, is very, very isolated. So those would be my recommendations for right now that are, I guess, more interesting than some of the other books I'm reading. So two last questions. Uh, the first is, what is the first thing you think you're going to do or want to do after lockdown ends and you feel comfortable enough to do? I really want to go to a beach. I have been craving that like none, like no yeah. other. I just want a fruity cocktail and I want to sit on a beach in the sun. That is my current dream. Yeah, I'm going to fly home <laughs> to see my wife and family as soon as I can. But, but also maybe fly somewhere that I can sit on a beach and, and enjoy a fruity cocktail. <laughs> that, would be, that would be nice. And second question is, um, on an optimistic note, what are you most looking forward to in the next six months in spite of living in a COVID world? So I think for me, um, I really am itching to go home to spend the summer with my family as I had planned prior to um, starting work in London. I think um, this time with them and having this break with them is, is the last one that I foresee in a while that's going to be this long. So I really want to be able to spend that time with them. And yeah, I guess I'm looking forward to living in a city that I've been wanting to live in since I studied abroad there over a summer, like nine years ago. So it feels a little bit like a dream come true. So I'm excited to, to make that transition. Yeah. I'm actually very excited for you to move to London as well. I'm going to be going to be a constant pest as far as I can be. Um, I am hoping I get to go home for the summer, but for now that looks unlikely. So I'm going to say that what I'm most excited about is uh, moving to New York and hopefully starting work in person. But even if not starting work, um, I've been kind of, you know, 
for the last few weeks, basically. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to, um, to get to a point where I feel a little more engaged and I think that will come with work for sure. So pretty excited for that. Any parting awesome. words from you guys? Well, actually, I'm going to steal a line from Caesar because I've been thinking of, uh, yeah, I know you guys are doing the play, but uh, <laughs> I've been thinking of uh, just leaving recently. And one of the lines that stands out from Caesar to me is, uh, if we meet again, we shall smile. If not, this parting was well made. I don't know if there's anything I, I could follow that up with. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for episode four of The Yarn and the Single Thread. We hope you enjoyed, and thank you for taking the time to meet um, our friends Harsh and Rukmini on this episode. Thank you.